Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine about parenting and the challenges of, of rearing children in this day and age. And he told me a story. One day he was uh, watching his neighbors getting ready to go on a vacation. And they were loading up the car and they had it all ready to go and they were getting ready to pull out. And their three-year-old sat down in the driveway behind the car and wouldn't move. They were all ready to go, and they coaxed him, and they tried to convince this little three-year-old to stand up and get in the car so that they could go on their family vacation. And they reasoned with this child. For three hours, he watched them. For three hours, they, he watched them try to negotiate this little three-year-old into the car so they could go on vacation. He says, I would have gone over there. I would have picked up the child, threw him in the car, strapped him in his seat. I'm not throw him in the car. You know what I mean. But, the, you know, in a situation like that, you've got to ask the question, Who's in charge in a situation like that? And, you know, we could, we could go off and I could spend, a, I could spend the, the whole morning talking about, about parents and the influence of Dr. Spock. Remember Dr. Spock? And, 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 and helping a child to, to feel good about themselves and to, and to, uh, you know, to, to, to explore all, all, this, all this kind of stuff. Uh, and, the, and the result of that and, and, and I think, you know, that started a whole wave of, of, of leading to a, uh, uh, to a generation that, that's called the bubble generation. You know, they they, they very self-indulgent. They, uh, as, as one author put it, uh, children used to be uh, contributors to the family. Now they are consumers of the family. And everything is for the individual child. And I'm thinking about that and, and, and thinking about our government today and thinking about our nation. And in, in, in some ways, I think that the people of the United States have become like that three-year-old. We want what we want when we want it. Now, a three-year-old has no responsibilities. They, they, they have no obligations. Our obligations are to take care of that child until they become a functioning adult. But once they become a functioning adult, then they take, their, they take up a healthy place in society. It, it, it seems to me that in our day and age, the, 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 the citizens of the United States have become a little too self-indulgent. You know, as long as, as long as I can put gas in my car, as long as I can flip on the switch, as long as, and, and the lights come on, as long as I can go to the grocery store and, uh, and, 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 and buy the ingredients for my nachos and come home and, and watch, a, watch a football game, you know what, I, I, I'm a happy camper and I don't care what happens anyplace else. 
But when things start to go wrong, then we start to, you know, cry and stamp our feet and say, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And, I, and, and, and it comes down to a question of authority. What, where are the legitimate authorities in our day? What are the things in which we place our hope, our trust, to lead us appropriately with the appropriate authority? Now, we're working our way through the book of Hebrews. And oh my goodness, book of Hebrews is a book for our time. And if you have your Bible, I would invite you to open to the first chapter of Hebrews. Again, as we've, uh, as we've talked about in previous weeks, we, we don't know who wrote the, the book of Hebrews. We're, we don't really know the, the specific audience that, uh, that received the book of Hebrews, the letter of Hebrews, a sermon, if you will. But we do know that they were uh, Jewish background believers. And we know that they felt like they were uh, uh, in, in between a bit of a rock and a hard spot. We know that the Gentile background believers were trying to get them to reject and turn away from everything that they had ever held dear with regard to uh, 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 their Jewish faith. We also know that there was a Jewish community there at the time that was trying to woo them back. Look, you know, you did this thing, you went off. Uh, Jesus really isn't uh, 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 who you think he is. And, and so we need you to come back and, and just be part of us and, and go back to what you know. And, and instead of letting Jesus be the authority in your life, let's, let's go back and recognize that the law is really what's the authority in, in your life. And the, and, the, and the structures that we have set up around, uh, 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 around adhering to the law and, and moving forward. That's, that's where your focus needs to be. And the author of Hebrews is saying, no, 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 no. So listen, as we finish this uh, 14th chapter, or 14th chapter, <laughs> there's only 13 chapters. Boy, that'd be a miracle. Uh, as, we, as we listen to these 14 verses that uh, uh, make up the uh, first chapter of Hebrews. And yes, we looked at verses 1 through uh, uh, 4 last week, but I'm going to go ahead and reread those again, kind of set a context, and then read the rest of the verses that we're going to look at today. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets and at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father, he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, Let all the angels worship him. In speaking of his angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his servants flames of fire. But about the Son, 
he says, and listen to this, but about the Son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, In the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, and like a garment they will be changed. But you remain the same and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? An amazing chapter. In the, in, the, in, the, in the first part, the, the, the author wants us to recognize that, that Jesus is superior to the prophets and, and everything that they did down through the ages. And now he shifts and says, not only is Jesus superior to the prophets, but Jesus is also superior to the angels. And then he goes through and gives us point by point by point of, 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 of Hebrew scriptures to underscore that Jesus is a cut above the angels, more than a cut above, that Jesus is in fact God. Now, why would the author spend so much time on angels at the beginning of his letter? Well, obviously, uh, angels had taken on a very prominent role in Jewish society and in their culture. We are all over the map when it comes to talking about angels. You know, I love telling the Christmas story to the kids, and you know, when we get to the point where the angels appear. In Scripture, when angels appear, people are freaked out. They're, they're, they're frightened. Almost the first words that angels say whenever they encounter human beings is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't be afraid. Why would you say that? Because they were afraid! At this point... Uh, the, 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 uh, the, the place of angels had become very, very prominent in uh, Jewish culture and even with, within their theology. And the Bible is, the Bible is filled with, uh, uh, with, with stories and narratives of the appearance of angels. Uh, uh, angels incorporate uh, a, a council there's a, there's a heavenly council. That, you know, that's when, when God says, let us create man in our image and in the image of God, he created them male and female. The, 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 the scholarly understanding is that he's speaking to this, to this divine council. 
and, and interestingly enough, the divine council doesn't always agree with God. There's just one problem with that. God is God, and they are not. Uh, and you're, oh, how, 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 how could the angels disagree with God? Have you ever disagreed with God? Yeah, I thought so. Uh, we do that because we're created beings. We're not perfect. Uh, but uh, we, we, we see angels that surround God and, 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 and worship Him. In Scripture, we see angels that, uh, that act as God's heavenly host, an, an army. Uh, we see angels that are destroyer, destroyers. Uh, we see angels that are, that, are, that are bringing messages to people. So, so there's, this, there's this whole uh, host of, 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 of spiritual beings that exist, and there is a spiritual realm, and we've, we've talked about this, in the fact that there is a battle that is being waged uh, uh, in the heavens, and it is being in it, and it is impacting the world in which we live as well. Uh, Satan has two uh, two chief weapons. Uh, he, uh, he he's he's a liar and he tempts. I mean that, that's pretty much it. But but he's excellent at, at doing those two things. Uh, but there was this this idea within within first century Judaism that God had become so holy, other, so transcendent that he was so far beyond anything that we could reach that angels became the mediators. Angels became mediators for human beings to have access to God. There was, and, and, and I read carefully on this and said, oh my gosh, what? You, you, we read in the Old Testament where, where the Lord gave Moses the uh, Ten Commandments, gave them the law, but at, by the first century, it, it, had, it had kind of morphed and twisted to where the people believed that the angels were the ones who received the law as intermediaries, and they presented the law to, to Moses. And I thought, how, what? How could you, how could you do that? Uh, uh, and, but then I was, I was directed to a couple of scriptures uh, in, in Acts, uh, and we're in the, in the, in the seventh chapter where, where Stephen is giving his defense. Uh, he says, he says, and now you have betrayed and murdered him, referring to Jesus. You who have received the law that was put into effect through the angels, but have not obeyed it. I went, what? Is, I, I, uh, and, and then again, uh, in Galatians, uh, Paul writes this. Referring to Jesus, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Oh, no, that's not the one that I want. That's good stuff, but that's not the verse that I wanted. Uh, just below that. What then is the purpose of the law? It was added because of the transgressions until the seed of him who was promised, uh, uh, to whom the promise referred to, had come. The law was put into effect through angels by a mediator. So we have this idea that, 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 that angels are out there and that, and that, that they are the go-between uh, between humanity and, and God. And the, and the author of Hebrews says, no, 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 no. Jesus is so superior uh, to the angels not only is Jesus superior to the angels, but he's superior to the, to, the, to, the, to the prophets. In fact, when it comes to the law, Jesus has fulfilled the law. 
And so then he's, he's taking great steps to uh, make sure that people understand and differentiate between the angels and, and Jesus. And so it's, it's important for us to kind of wrap our minds around that and to think about it, you know, a little bit more. Uh, there, 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 there was a tendency not only to see the angels as the, as the mediators, but also as objects and individuals to be lifted up and worshipped. So they're giving an authority to angels that they didn't have. And in, in, uh, in Colossians, uh, Paul, Paul writes this, do not, let, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. People were actually worshiping angels. Uh, John himself, uh, uh, the, 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 the writer of the Gospel of John, he himself it, it was... Uh, uh, Fell, fell down to worship angels. At the end of the book of Revelation, he writes this in, in chapter 22, verse 8, I, John, who am, uh, am the one who heard and, and, and saw all these things, when I heard and, and had seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters and the prophets and all who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Don't be worshiping angels. Worship, worship God. And, 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 and we, need to, we need to be so, so mindful of that, that we are to worship God and not the angels. And, and again, this comes down to an issue of authority. I'm going to bring that back to our, to our present day in just a minute, but we need to understand the context of these verses in, in, in Hebrews. Uh, in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes this. He says, watch out for false, pro- false prophets. He says, for people are false prophets, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. So, so, so in, this, in this spiritual realm... We, we need to recognize, and of course, you know, we do, and in, in, in again, our theology is kind of really whacked out, and maybe when all this is said and done and we can sit down together, we'll do a study on, on angels. Would you like that? Yeah, yeah, okay, we can, we can talk about that. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I was thinking about this. Uh, what was the one thing that Satan wanted Jesus to do in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the wilderness? Worship me. Worship me. Authority. Let me be the authority over you. And 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 of course, Jesus wasn't wasn't going to buy into any of that. Uh, Paul reminds us in Corinthians in chapter six. Do, do you not know that we will judge angel angels? Ultimately, that will be part of our job in eternity is to judge the angels. There's this battle going on out there. Going, oh my gosh, we're gonna we're gonna judge the angels. So what does that mean for us today? That means that we need to be very, very, very careful in who we listen to and why we listen to them. And in First John, we read this. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. 
because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you will recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. So, so we have that framework for us, recognizing the importance of angels in the day. And, and, the, and the transition of authority that had occurred because God was so transcendent, so holy other, so far out there that we could not access them. We could not access him. And the author of Hebrews says that's not the case. Through Jesus Christ, we now have direct access. We need no intermediaries, none, not a one. Not the prophets, not the law, not the angels. For, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father. We could spend, again, we could spend the rest of the morning unpacking that. Uh, when, Jesus, when Jesus came among us, uh, I, and you've heard me say this before, Jesus came and he showed us the face of God. He showed us how to live together. And, and Jesus, if he did anything, he pointed to the Father. He pointed to God because Jesus did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. That's, he's talking about you and me. That's not something that we could grasp. And if Jesus had come, uh, and I believe, uh, I, I, I believe that the Bible says, and I believe it, uh, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. I believe in the full divinity of Jesus Christ. If he would have showed up on the scene uh, at the beginning of his earthly ministry and announced to everybody that he was God incarnate, he would have been immediately, immediately pounced upon. He had work to do. And so he talks in, in he, he uses language and he, and, he, and he talks in references, you know, the son of man, the son of God, uh, the son of David. You know, we have all those references and people say, well, why didn't he just come right out and say it? Because we couldn't handle that truth. We couldn't handle it. And so he uses language that will help us to understand. And so he gives us the language of, of father and son, that he is the son uh, and, and that God is the father. And he points and he directs everything to the father. This is my, and then he does something even more miraculous than that. He invites us into that relationship. He invites us into that relationship. He says, not only is God my father, God is your father. God is your, you know, and so and today people get, and I, and I get it, uh, the whole thing with language. Uh, uh, not everybody had a good father. I recognize that. Um, but don't let your earthly father's failures uh, obscure the perfection of your heavenly father. Please, please. And recognize that language, language has limitations. But what we see here, even within the limitations of language and, the, and, the, and the, uh, this idea of God as Father and Jesus as Son, that there was a unity there that was unparalleled, something that had never happened before. Jesus is, in fact, God. He said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. But he doesn't want us to, in his earthly ministry, he doesn't want the people to focus on him because equality with God is not something to be grasped. So I want you to focus on the Father. 
So he does that through his, uh, through his earthly ministry. And then after he ascends up into the heavens, we have the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit points back to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is our tangible representation of God, the exact representation of God. He's the one that teaches us how to live. If we want to be faithful to God, we need to embrace and embody the characteristics, the lifestyles, the attitudes. We need to be like Jesus. And it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to do that. To, to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father, or I will be his father and he will be my son? The author wants us to understand that Jesus is God, that he is our ultimate authority. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, firstborn is, a, again, that's a there's a, there's, God's doing something new for us. God's doing something new for not just earth, but for all of creation. Uh, the incarnation was for all of creation, not just for us. Uh, he, says, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Now, why would anybody want to worship something that wasn't worshiping God? Let all the angels worship him. Again, it comes to issues of where are the ultimate authorities in our lives. And in speaking of the angels, he, he makes the angels winds and, and his servants the flames of fire. Angels are servants. Angels are servants. Just keep that in the back of your mind. And then if you have any doubt at all, he just goes right to the quick in verse 8. What about, but about the Son, God says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. The righteous, your, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the joy of oil. With the oil of joy. If there was... You, the Bible doesn't say that Jesus is God. Whoever says that has not read the Bible because right here it very clearly says that Jesus is God. Incarnate, came in the flesh, fully human, fully divine. And we'll unpack that as we work our way through the, uh, the book of Hebrews a little bit more as to what, you know, what was going on and what was Jesus actually doing uh, in, in the incarnation. Uh, um, and we, you know, kind of broad brushed that, showing us the face of God, not only showing us the face of God and teaching us how to live with one another, but also taking care of sin, taking care of sin. Uh, going back, when, when after he had provided purifications for sin, he sat down because it, it is finished. That part was finished. And he also says, in the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. In talking about Jesus, it talks about ultimate authority and his is his eternality. He was there in the beginning. This is not somebody, this is not a flash in the pan. This is somebody who was, who was with God, who was God at the beginning of the foundations of the earth. He was there. They will perish, but you will remain. 
They will wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed. What we see in this world ultimately will be changed. There will be at one point a new heaven and a new earth. When will that happen? I don't know. I, I don't know. Jesus said nobody knows but the Father. That's a, that's a, that's a, actually, that's a sermon for another day. But where we are right now, how we live our lives, what are the authorities in our lives, recognizing that Jesus is the ultimate authority. He is divine. Uh, he is eternal. He was present from the very beginning, and he will be there even after creation passes away. There's a beautiful section in, uh, in Revelation chapter 21. Read it. It talks, about, uh, it talks about the new heaven and the new earth. That's where there's no more pain, no more sorrow. Uh, uh, great stuff. Go ahead and, and read that. To which, to which of the angels did God ever say, sit here at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? There is a battle that is raging in the heavens. And, but eventually we know that battle is going to be won. And the enemies will be a footstool for Jesus, who is the ultimate authority. We, 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 can't, we can't forget that. Are not all ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Ministering servants, angels, ministering servants to serve those who will inherit salvation. That's you and me. Now, how, how, does, how does all of this impact us today? Do we, do we, in our culture, have this idea that God is so transcendent that we need uh, to figure out some other way to get to him because he's, he's not accessible? No. I think if, if we have a, a problem in our day and age, it's just it's the opposite. Uh, uh, Jesus is no, is, and God are no longer transcendent. We've, we've made him too eminent, too present, too accessible. You know, Jesus is my bud. And, and so, uh, you know, we're just, we're just friends. And friends help and support each other. And so I'll support you, Jesus, with all of my wisdom and my insight. And I'll, I'll make a great advisor in your kingdom. Uh, and, uh, and you can help me when I need help. But when I don't need you, I want you to be there when I need you, but when I don't want you to be there, I don't want you to be there. And, and I, I think that's actually the danger that we've fallen into today, where, where we've lost a sense of, of, of majesty and wonder and ultimately authority in who Jesus is. We have become... Uh, I, 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 almost like the, 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 the spoiled child who wants what we want when we want it and we pout when we don't get our way, even with God. And so we think, well, if, if, if God's not going to give me what I want when I want it, then I'm just not going to even bother with this stuff. I'm going to go my own way. Kind of sort of hoping that God doesn't strike us dead at the same time. You know? So we're, we're, we're kind of juggling all that back and forth. But here's the deal. We are created with a heart to worship. We're created with a heart to worship. And if we're not going to worship God, we're going to fill it with a substitute. And, and, and I think that that is part of the crisis that we are facing uh, as, a, as a nation today and, and, and the world in, in general. We have placed our hopes and our faith in, in, 
not in angels, but in, in things other than Jesus Christ. And right now, people are, and, 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 I, and I find it interesting with what's going on in the United States today. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I, I learned the hard way uh, uh, that, uh, that God uh, doesn't stand when the American flag passes by. You've heard me say that so many times. And that's not that, that, uh, that I'm not grateful to be an American, to live here. Um, uh, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a registered independent. You know, I, I, I am, I'm ashamed of, of, of what I see going on in the United States today by both major parties. Uh, uh, people that know me know that I'm probably, not probably, I am uh, uh, right of center. I do believe in, in, in limited government. Uh, uh, I think that in allowing the government to, uh, to, to, to step forward and take care of everybody, that they have robbed the church. That's our responsibility. We're told the poor we will always have with us, uh, which means what? It means that we engage in taking care of those less fortunate, those who are truly in need. I think there's a place for that in the church. I, I personally do not think that that is the place of the government. We can, you know, we can talk about that and go back and forth, uh, but what I what I see happening today uh, in a, in a government that is supposed to be of the people, for the people, by the people, uh, is is now a government that serves itself. And and we've we've, we've watched. This is not new. We've watched this happen, going back and forth, uh, uh, of these these two major parties uh, 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 arguing back and forth. And and when one comes into a, uh, into the administration, they blame all the problems on the other one. As soon as the as soon as it switches, they blame all the problems on the other one. And 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 the the American people, by and large, have just sat back and said. You know, as long as the lights work when I flip the switch and I can get gas in my car and I can get my nachos from the grocery store and come home and watch a football game, I don't care. Well, now it's like, well, wait a minute, now I care. Uh, well, good, but what do you care in? I think that for way too many people and for way too many Christians, the focus of authority in their lives has shifted from God to other things. And if, you, if, if, if your faith and your hope is in the government of the United States, then you're building a, you're building a house out of cards, and it's going to collapse. I received an email this week, this past week, in response to my word on Wednesday that said, God has abandoned us, Pastor David. It's time to hang it up. And, and I wrote back and I said, God may have abandoned us. And I used a capital U period, capital S period. But God will never abandon you and me. Go back and reread Romans chapter 8. What that says to me is that, the, is that for that individual, their, their ultimate authority in God had been transferred to, to, to the government. The government is going to solve our problems. The government is never going to solve all our problems. Never. They can't do it. That's not the function of the government. And the government is never going to be our savior. They can't do it. That's not the function of the government. But people have put their faith and their hope in the government, and now it's, for some, it's collapsing. 
Some people put their faith and their hope in the stock market. And we know what happened. in History tells us that in 1929, when the stock market collapsed, people forfeited their own lives because that was their authority. Today, some people have authority in their material possessions. As long as I can surround myself with my things, I'm safe. That's a a false authority in your life. Some people have put authority in the church. Oh my gosh! In the church institution. And and you know what? There is still some authority in the church, but it has been greatly diminished. Why? Because people are looking for power. You migrate to positions of power, and people are flawed. We are flawed. My, my, my my, My feet are clay. I, I, I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I, how many times have I said, I feel so often like I'm a beggar showing another beggar where to get a bit of bread. How many people think that the ultimate authority is in science? Science is going to uh, uh, give us the answer. Well, I mean, for years and for years, uh, over the past decade, we heard science, 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 and now we don't hear so much about science. As, as, we're, as we're going through these issues of, of gender identity and, and identity politics. Nobody talks about science anymore. And yet people have their faith in science or faith in themselves. I'll figure it out. I have no authority in my life but me. I'm going to figure this out. And I'm going to survive. And, 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 and that's what everybody needs to do. Everybody needs to figure it out for themselves. My truth is my truth. Your truth is your truth. If it helps you survive and, 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 and you stay away from me, then we'll all survive. No, we won't. We'll only further fragment into chaos. There is no higher authority than our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we step away from that in any way, shape, or form, everything we do will be built on a faulty foundation. And in this day and age, we cannot afford to have a faulty foundation. I have spent so much time uh, encouraging you and, and, and helping us to understand what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus, to engage in spiritual disciplines, to read our Bibles, to know what, what, uh, uh, what they say and to, and to, and to implement things uh, in our lives, the spiritual disciplines which allow the Holy Spirit to come in and transform our lives into the image of Jesus Christ. And I still believe in all of that. Those, 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 those are uh, essential elements of our faith. But if the essential elements of our faith are not based and built upon a solid theology, we find ourselves equally misled. And that was what was happening in the first century to the Jewish Christians. And I fear that's what's happening to the Christians in this world today. We need to get back to the firm foundation of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. No other means can we approach God except through Jesus. But that means has been granted to us. And not just to us. Access has been granted to everybody through Jesus Christ. And it is Jesus Christ who stands for truth and righteousness. And 
at the end of the day, what do we really want? We, we, we want a society in which, it, in which everyone plays well together, but one that is adjudicated uh, on, on the basis of what's right and what's wrong, what is truth. And we've lost sight of that. And, and, and people that, that say today, we demand justice, we demand justice. I'm telling you, I don't want justice. I want grace and mercy. I want to I work on being a just individual. Uh, I want to treat people with respect and dignity, recognizing that they are image bearers of God. But I also want to love mercy and walk humbly with God. I don't think we I don't think we have that in our nation today. And and, and and both sides, again, what do we see from our national leaders except everybody blaming the other side for the problems that we have? I'm ashamed of both of them. I think they've lost sight. I think they serve themselves. I think they no longer serve the people. And we as the people have as much responsibility in that as they do for seizing authority that is not granted to them in the Constitution. But we have let them do it because we don't care. We don't want, it's ugly. Politics is ugly. It's like making sausage. I don't want to watch it. I'll eat it, but I don't want to watch it. And now we're paying the price. And you may be discouraged right now. You may think that we are on the dawn of a glorious new age. Either side, I think you're misled. We are on the dawn of a glorious new age, but when that dawn will occur, I have no idea. But I do know that we are called to occupy ourselves until he comes. And that's Jesus. And he and he alone is our ultimate authority. And if your faith and your hope is in the ultimate authority of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life and of the world in which we live, you're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. I believe that some of our greatest challenges lie ahead. But if we stick together in the name of Jesus, focusing on him, trusting, regardless of the external circumstances, we're going to be fine. Because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Jesus is Lord now and forevermore. That will never change. Trust in no one else but Jesus Christ. And together, we will demonstrate in the world, to the world what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. Oh, the video will be available in five minutes. If you missed part of it, I would encourage you to go back and listen uh, to what I've had to say this morning. I think it's vitally, vitally important for us as, as believers uh, you know, the image of a spoiled child sitting in a uh, driveway keeping the family from going on vacation for three hours is not a, a very flattering one. And, and to draw that analogy that in many ways we have become that spoiled child thinking that everything should revolve around us uh, is one that we all need to come to grips with. The, the real issue for us is what, what are the authorities in our lives? Is it, is it government? Is it, is it self? Is it... Uh, if it's anything other than Jesus, we are, uh, we're, we're in trouble. So let us together turn our eyes on Jesus. Uh, the song that we just sang was a brilliant reminder that whatever it takes, whatever it takes, we need to press on and, and remembering that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus our Lord.
who is our ultimate authority in all things, all things, 